Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. My name is Martha Reddick, and I am your host. This week, we are going to be talking about divorced parents, working for divorced parents, or divorcing parents, um, being a nanny in a family that is going through or has gone through a divorce. My guest this week is Parker. Hello, Parker. Hello, everyone. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Fantastic. Um, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, before we get into divorce families and divorcing families, mm-hmm. um, I would love a little reminder of uh, background. Parker, of course, was on a few weeks ago about uh, being a male nanny, um, and we are delighted to have him back uh, to talk about this t- touchy subject. Yeah, touchy indeed. Um I started in childcare when I was about 12. I wanted to prove to my mom that I could take care of me and my sister by ourselves, and that we did not need a nanny, so I took a babysitting class. And from there on out, I started seeking out different childcare opportunities until eventually when I was in school, I started working with children more closely and eventually became a nanny after I graduated. Um... And currently work as a full-time nanny. Wonderful. Um, one of the families that I have nannied for in the past, um, we experienced the sort of event mm-hmm. that caused sort of a downhill slope right. of the parents' relationship and eventual divorce Yeah, of um, the parents. And right the fallout and the result on the children i was i was there for most of the divorce itself and the separation yeah which is i can Im- imagine a very very tricky place to be because your first and foremost job is to take care of the kids mm-hmm. um and so However, parents are extremely important in a child's life. 
like kind of one of the most important things in a child's life. And so when there is that element, um, it, it can be hard to navigate exactly how best to Mm -hmm. support the children through that. Um, and then, um, how to also protect yourself at times. Correct. Um, when you need to, because it, it is not wrong to, uh, take care of your needs as Mm -hmm. well. Um, and, and to set, clear boundaries of this is what I need to provide the best care for your children. Right. And I think that is jumping straight into it. (laughs) That is a key part that um, is definitely more easily said than done. Yes. But it is so important to set boundaries when any sort of conflict between parents arises. Yes. Because it doesn't necessarily have to get to divorce for, for these strategies that we're going to be discussing to be helpful. Anyone in any sort of relationship eventually buttheads. Yes. Whether or not as the nanny you see it, sometimes you don't always see it. Exactly. And so it's important as a nanny to understand how to navigate those situations and be able to stand up for yourselves and to be able to set those boundaries if they are not already set up for you by the parents mm-hmm. to set up those boundaries and say, this is how we need to go about situations like this. Right. I know. I, I understand that it's very different case to case. Yes. Some, div- some divorces, some arguments are, more clean cut than others. Some go more smoothly than others. Some are handled better than others. Unfortunately, I experienced one that was rockier than ideal. Right. That's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And though I have never nannied for a family that has been getting divorced or even has been divorced I am a child of divorce mm-hmm. um so I can speak from a from a child's standpoint my parents got divorced when I was two so it was before I was too aware of what that meant mm-hmm. and it just became a way of life for right. me um which it eventually becomes a way of life for everyone um, once it happens, but, uh, at two, I was just like, wait, everyone's parents don't live apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is this not the normal thing? Um, and so I can, I can speak from that point of view. Um, well, and I think something that escapes most people's brains or goes unsaid, but is never really thought about is that the point of view of the children is what's most important. Yes. Because depending on how things go with the divorce, if it is not 100% amicable, it's very easy for the lines of what's best for the kids and what's best for the individual parents to get blurred. Yes. Yes. And so in my case, it was often that those lines were blurred and personal agendas were... Very prevalent, but not necessarily clear cut and clearly seen 
as personal agendas, they were often disguised as, quote unquote, what's best for the children. Right. And so learning to navigate that can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was definitely not perfect in handling that because it was something that I had never encountered before. Right. But I'm definitely here to speak on my experience and hindsight is 2020. So <laughs> I can give any sort of advice on things that maybe I didn't do, but should have done. Right. Um, but like we talked about earlier, I think setting boundaries is, is the most important for me. It was, I don't want to hear about the other parent. I don't want to hear about anything as far as the hearings or any sort of legal matters or any matters between either of the parents goes unless it directly affects my time with the children. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good, very clear boundary. And I, I said that Mm -hmm. to both parents eventually. And that line was still tested. And I think where I failed was maybe enforcing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because so easily you can color something to be like, well, this does affect you because their behavior affects this right. and that and the other. But my personal experience, I think it it's important to be able to distinguish this is the information that I need to know mm-hmm. and anything else is off limits. Yes. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. Um, I also it got to a point where I had to say, I don't, I don't want to exist in the same space that the two of you have to exist. Because I right. used to have to be there on days where they would hand off mm. um, and, be, and be present for the handoff. And that became such an emotional stressor. Yes. Because I think in situations like that, parents often realize that the nanny is the person that everyone will look to to see how home life is if things get to an extreme. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. So parents often put on a show, not only for lawyers, not only for judges, not only for their children, but also for their nannies. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a position where I had two grown adults saying, I'm not the crazy one. They are. Right. And trying to navigate that simultaneously while they are in the same place fighting in front of their children about what's best about certain issues became very difficult to the point where I said, I'm not going to be here if the two of you are going to exist in the same place. So parent-teacher conferences, first days of school, anything where the two of you are going to be in attendance, I will step back from. Right. And I physically just stepped back from the mic, so I don't even know if you heard all that. Uh, (laughs) um, The key is setting boundaries, both with the parents and with the children. Right. Um, I think when something like an argument or a divorce comes up, the fact that these children are not actually your children is magnified Mm -hmm. because as nannies 
more often than not, we become emotionally attached to the children that we watch and we love them and we want what's best for them and we want to set them up for success in the best way that we possibly can. And a lot of times that takes on an importance that makes you near to being a parent. And then when something comes up that makes you remember that you are not their parent and they are not yours. And as responsible as you are for them, there are other people who are more responsible for them. All of that comes into play and can be difficult to navigate when emotions are running high. Yes. I made a habit of saying, when they are with me, these are the rules. Mm -hmm. These are the behaviors that I don't tolerate. These are the consequences for doing behaviors that I don't tolerate. These are the things that I appreciate and these are the things that I reward mm-hmm. you know, as well. I think it's right. important to... The positives you know, too. Positive and negative. Um, because so easily parents separate and all of the little things that they say, well, I'm harder on the kids on this than than the other parent is and, and I you know, value this behavior more than that parent does becomes heightened. Yes. Yes. And so it's important to be able to tell both the children and the parents, these are the rules when I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think children love boundaries. Yes, they do. Whether they outwardly show it or not. (laughs) (laughs) They love it in that they respond well to boundaries. Right. Well, boundaries, when you set your own personal boundaries for the children that you watch, it creates a clearer picture of who you are for them. And that makes seeing you more clearly creates a stronger bond. And a safer space. Exactly. To exist in. So in situations like divorce, parents tend to, and this is something that I've gathered from, because I was I, I came into a position where I was like, the parents of the kids are getting of the kids that I watch are getting a divorce and I have no idea how to handle this. I reached out to several different people that I know who were children whose parents were divorced, people who may have nannied for divorced parents. Um, And some of the similar things that I found is both parents are trying to be the favorite parent. Yes. And kids easily catch on to the things that they can get away with. Mm -hmm. And the behavior, the types of behaviors that get them the most attention. Mm Mm-hmm. And those can be positive behaviors or most often negative behaviors. Exactly. Um, the person that I reached out to the most was my mom, mm-hmm. um, who is not a child of divorced parents, and nor am I. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but I feel like I just ended so many days where I talked to my mom. I was like, Mom, help me. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. And she focused mostly on reminding the, ch- the children that they are loved mm-hmm. and that mommy loves them and daddy loves them and you love them. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what happens, no matter what changes, that love will never change. Right. And just drilling that in. Right. And understanding that if they need extra attention, if they need extra love, just reminding yourself that that patience with them is important. And at the same time, reminding them that boundaries are important as well. Mm-hmm. And there are certain rules that we can't break. And, you know, they'll catch on to which rules we let slide. Right. But 
at the end of the day, I think when children experience their parents in a rough patch, what they crave most is the attention. Mm-hmm. Because if you think of it from a child's perspective, number you know numbers one and two of the people that they have in their lives are at odds. Right. Which throws their entire world mm-hmm. on its head. And, and understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, I don't want this to turn into like a shaming of divorced parents. No, because often it can be more unhealthy for parents to stay together and be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I read an article about that compared parents who divorced when their children were young versus parents who did what a lot of parents do, which is wait until they're older. Right. And studies showed a lot more depression in the children of parents who waited mm-hmm. and a lot more trust issues within those children because they felt that their whole life was a lie because their parents, you know, were quote unquote never happy. Right. So and all of that is all of that is to say some people are not meant to be together. And if right. you find that out after you have children, there's no judgment on that. Right. How you handle it is very important. Yes. Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, something that I now as an adult recognize that my mom did that was, um, I think, very successful or felt feels very successful is that um, she never ever ever held me held me over my dad um i i know now i had no idea then but i know now that she could have not let him see me very much right um and she made sure that there was a lot of time that i got to go spend nights with him Mm -hmm. and um at least twice a week and several weekends a month too. Right. Um, and and just never letting the children be a barter a bartering tool is super key. And I I know that it is um an easy trap to fall into when your emotions are high. Mm-hmm. Um and as a nanny, when you see that I can only imagine that being a very, very difficult place to be um, and and not really your place to do anything about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when you are spending time with the children and that is happening, trying to talk to the kids or or offer them not not even forcing talking to them but if offering a place that they can talk about how they're feeling Mm -hmm. I think is is very important and depending on their age and their level of being able to talk but um a place that that I found helpful when I was little was imagination and play and Mm -hmm. playing out scenarios and I think that is a very fertile space as a nanny to help kids cope right 
with what's going on around mm-hmm. them. Um, when you're playing house, I I can imagine that that shifts mm-hmm. as uh, as parental roles shift. You no, know, playing house was never much of a thing. Oh, okay. For us. Um, That's so interesting. Yes. Because it's been a thing in every household. Every, except this one, <laughs> which may or may not be a good thing. Right. Um, one of the key play elements that we used, the kids that I watched at the time of their parents getting a divorce were very moved by music. Mm. And so I curated playlists that involved songs that were fun for them to dance to and fun to listen to and fun to sing along and also songs that locked into more emotional depth Mm -hmm. and showed that you can feel pain Mm -hmm. and that you can express when things are not okay. Sorry, I'm getting a little choked up. Yeah. Um, and the, and your background in musical theater, I'm sure. Yeah, totally helps, helps with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, there are lots of people who identify with the idea that songs are a heightened form of emotion. And so whether you see that in musical theater or you you see that in just listening to your favorite songs when you're upset or when you're happy. However, you can get through to the kids to let them know that they're loved no matter what. Mm -hmm. And if everything doesn't feel good, that's okay. Right. Because I think a lot of struggles that kids go through is more often than not they cry about something or they you know maybe they throw a temper tantrum about something and it's either solved or whoever their you know caregiver is says this is what's happening and explains it to them but in situations like divorce where there's so much gray area kids are stuck with feeling all of these emotions that they don't even understand. Right. And you can't tell them how it's going to play out because no one knows. Right. So be it music or role play or sitting down and having a conversation. Unfortunately, going along the lines of these kids are not your kids. Um, a problem that I ran into was there was a disconnect on how we were explaining the situation to the kids. Mm-hmm. And when you're with them, mm-hmm. nine, ten hours a day, obviously the fact that mommy and daddy don't exist in the same space anymore comes up more than once. Right. And so I was kind of left with very little... <laughs> to communicate with them on on that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of parents will buy books. Mm-hmm. And I had many of those. The Right. 
the books that were chosen by either parent was never approved by the other parent. Ah. Uh. Um, so I was left with, you know, mommy and daddy are not going to be around together for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, that might change, but you still get to see both of them. Mm-hmm. You still love both of them. They, they still love you. Um, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. So what's crazy is that the fact that you are not these children's parent becomes more apparent. But the feeling of being like a parent is stronger. Yes, I bet. So depending on how everything is going, you could be the most stable thing in their lives at that point, which is so much more than any nanny (laughs) should ever deal with. Right. But it happens even with, even with nannies who are not taking care of children with parents who are divorcing or are divorced. Um, you become a a third party caregiver when Mm -hmm. you add up all of the hours that you spend with them versus all of the waking hours that the parents spend with their children. They come close to even out more often than not. Right. Or even sometimes more, more, Mm -hmm. um, especially if the parents are already divorced Mm -hmm. with any one parent, that's true. You are most certainly spending more hours with their children, especially if they're nine, 10 hours a day. That was when, when the initial separation happened and courts decided between, you know, which parents had whatever time. And the dad told me that I was more of a father to his kids than he was at that point. Oh, it's a sad reality. Yeah. I guess that's something that's something else we could talk about is the bias (laughs) in courts between mothers and fathers. But that's. Yes. And that is. That's veering a little maybe too far off topic. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Different, different podcast, probably. Yeah. Uh, But yes, I do. That is it's such a tricky situation and I also I I think that as a nanny um especially during those times um you have to be more probably vigilant about um self-care self-care and then also as behaviors pop up uh researching how to deal with those Mm -hmm. through through the filter of divorce for example um a child that i have nannied for in the past um i found out after i was done nannying Mm -hmm. that they were their marriage was rocky Mm -hmm. um and uh he had terrible separation anxiety. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yes. And at the time, because I was not privy to the private lives of the parents, which 
I don't need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, but I I was seeing how it was manifesting in the child of when his mother left. Um, that brings up an interesting point. It's kind of, it's hard because information like that is kind of necessary almost. Right. But you don't want to cross that boundary of Tell me all your dark secrets so that I can see how they're playing out in your children. Um, I've been there and it's not pretty. No. (laughs) And I actually preferred the way it went down for me, which Mm -hmm. was I did a ton of research on separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that was where I discovered the magic box. See episode three. Um, It's wonderful for separation anxiety. But... um, and then also other strategies of right. let's have let's have a picture for uh, your mom when she gets home, which has helped with tons of kids of mm-hmm. if they are experiencing this separation anxiety, making a gift while you're with them for the parent. Have a tangible reminder that the person that they are experiencing that anxiety about will come back. Will come back and you That's will important. have something to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, or a asking the parent for a picture of them or a picture of them with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that proved to be super helpful mm-hmm. um, that he could carry that in his pocket and it was his picture mm-hmm. and he could do right. whatever he wanted to, mm-hmm. which was treasure it forever. But yeah, just addressing the, I mean, like we do with any behaviors, addressing those behaviors um the wanted and unwanted behaviors Mm -hmm. appropriately is key. I think when uh, parents' relationships are rocky, then it is even more important than, I mean, it's hard to be more important, but it's even more important. The clearer you make the way the world works to children, the better they will respond. Yes. And, and the also, better they will handle things. Right. And I, I think what you said about uh, when when that's happening, when the parents are no longer the parents, but mm-hmm. it's mom and it's dad, I think that then having, and when you are with Parker, these are the rules, right. is, is even more important. Um, because a lot of the times with families that I nanny for, I kind of try to come up with rules that are the same. My rules. Right. Um, but are, you know, these are these are my rules, but also they're very close to your rules with your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think when those rules, because I, I know, I mean, a lot of my friends growing up were also from divorced homes. And um, I know... That just by the nature of the beast, there are different rules. Oh, absolutely. Between different parents. So kind of even separating yourself out further of just being like, all right, well then these are my rules. Right. (laughs) Is very important. At that point, it's incredibly important to, yeah, essentially separate yourself as a third entity to both the children and the parents. Right. And say, these are the rules when you're with me. I know mommy might let you do this. Daddy might let you do that. One of them might say you can have a snack. One of them might normally not let you have a snack. But when you are with me, this is the way we operate. Right. And it doesn't matter if we are in mom's home now or dad's home. 
when I am here, no exactly. matter which home, the rules are the same. Who's in charge? Parker's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun rhyme. I love when you um, do that. But... I think that's important not only to express to the children, but also to their parents. Yes. Because so often, especially in times of transition where one of them is coming home, one of them is, you know, when you're taking over for the day, when they're leaving for work, and one of the kids asked for something that or the other, and the parents will say, oh, well, I normally let them do this after you've already said no. Oh, my gosh. Which is a whole other thing in itself. Um... Parents, if you are listening, <laughs> the best thing that you can say is, what did Phil and Nanny's name here say? Mm-hmm. Ask the child that first if the nanny is still in the building. Because that's what we do for you. Yes. We say, what did your parents say? Anyway. But. During those transitional times. During those transitional times for, you know, for parents like, oh, well, I normally let them do this to say that maybe so. But I've all I've already told them this. Right. So I'm gonna hold uphold that. Right. Um there's one point one of the parents I was talking to, um, I was like <laughs> I kind of got fresh with them and I was like, You you give in a little too easily. Right. And they said, Well, I only see them for a limited amount of time, so I'm gonna milk every minute that I have with them for what it's worth. And certain things you have to learn to say, okay, that is your time with them. Do what you will. Do what you will. And then just understand, know that as much as it sucks, you are going, you as the nanny are going to be the one that has to deal with the repercussions of, <laughs> <laughs> yes. of not giving the children everything they want or not giving it to them easily. Um, but as important as boundaries are, having a relationship with your parents is just as important. It is. It definitely is. Um, and then another area that I, I do want to touch on is I, I know that you said um, there was a struggle over resources like books and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, if you are nannying for a family that supports that sort of thing, um, Going to a library mm-hmm. and maybe going on your own time without the children and talking to the librarian in the children's section, I think, is key. I know for me growing up, just my personality was such that I I read all the time. I was a bookworm. And still to this day, when I have a problem, I go find a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whether it's it's fantasy and just escapism or it's directly applying to the problem that I'm having depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. But um, but there are wonderful books uh, that some of which touch on divorce uh, and it's not the the key subject of the book. Mm-hmm. It's just mentioned um, which a factor. Yeah, it's just a factor. Uh, for example, the Babysitters Club. Um, has a lot and I've read all hundreds of <laughs> <laughs> the babysitters club uh, but Christie's dad uh, gets a divorce and Marianne's mom died anyway uh, there's separated parents in it and mm-hmm. just seeing different families 
in literature, I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I love what you said about songs. I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. such a great thing that I haven't even thought of. Um, and I will probably start applying to not divorced parents, but just to, I'm a big proponent of the power of music. Yeah. And the way it allows children to express. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always wonderful to hear them sing along to Frozen or another Disney movie. Um, but it's also so cool to see them emotionally connect to something from, you know, ragtime or waitress or even Adele. Yeah. Any sort of music that touches on emotional pain is important. Not that Disney does not do that. Right. But sometimes I feel like some of those songs become so iconic that you don't even think about what they're about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the further back you go, the less healthy it is. Psychological studies have proven this, so I'm not speaking out of turn. <laughs> but I do remember one of the one of the first times I really realized the importance of music in children's lives was watching one of the girls that I that I nanny um, give her like full self in uh, singing and dancing to "Part of Your World." Oh yeah, from Little Mermaid, which is all about. She has special needs. The little girl that I, that I nannied has special needs and um, particularly struggles in being able to communicate her emotions and her feelings. And to see her lock onto that song and find a way to express her frustrations in dealing with the skin that she's in right. was beautiful. Whether that's actually what was going on or whether I was coloring that experience through my own lens of understanding her situation and how it relates to Ariel's. Who knows? But. <laughs> at that moment, it was beautiful. At that moment. But I think I think in on some level, that has to have been what was happening. Right. Otherwise, yes. I don't think she would have Connected held on in to that, way. that song so much as she did to Under the Sea or, right. you know, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I watched Beauty and the Beast a Mm -hmm. thousand times. (laughs) Um, I did too. But yes, I think think that um, music is great. Playing different, acting out different um, scenarios. And all of those things, I think, are probably healthier than trying to force a child to talk about something that they don't want to talk about or are not ready to talk about. I think that's right on the nose. Um, because I, th- I think that there's um, probably not as much in nannies, uh, but in parents, there's this desire to to hear your child express exactly how they're feeling right then beautifully put. And it's just not going to happen and it's too much to expect. And I think the also, also the, the trouble with that is when you start to get impatient in wanting children to be able to express their, these complex emotions, you start to feed them answers Mm -hmm. 
and they'll start to say yes to things that maybe they maybe aren't actually true and maybe right. they don't identify with but what they do know is that they're tired of talking about this so if they say yes then you'll they'll think that you think the conversation is over that you figured it out and then they can go back to playing they can go back to you know not talking about what they don't want to talk about i think it's much more important to lock into whatever your child's interests are whether it's drawing or painting or you know i've heard i've heard a lot of stories about people who nannies who just let their children draw something and then say what did you draw what's happening in this painting and just by them describing what's going on says a whole lot about their emotional state yes at that point in time same goes for whatever music they like to listen to even whatever movie they want to watch right you know if they're movie kids yes a lot of parents have things about screen time um but locking into your kids interests and finding a way to kind of mine their emotional viewpoints from that is a skill that you have to kind of work on and develop and be creative about. Um, Luckily, I lock into music and the kids that I've taken care of so far have all locked into music. But it's different for everyone. If you nannied for Leah's kids. Oh, God, I don't know what I would do. (laughs) You'd have to find podcasts that talk about emotions no um yeah just force them to listen to music (laughs) that's fair which is terrible no i would never do that um but they're more into it now um but anyway uh all this to say that yes meeting children where they are and not trying to drag them to where you want them to be exactly and Uh, i know that's very that's a very easy thing to fall into because as nannies, our job is to take care of the kids and to make sure that they are quote unquote okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we don't like leaving at the end of the day or at the end of the week with unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of force situations to come to some sort of ending that we can wrap up mm-hmm. nicely. It's not always a good thing for the kids, ultimately. Right. When it comes to parents who are getting a divorce, the role of nanny not only becomes about taking care of the children, but also taking care of the parents in a mm-hmm. way that once they are separated, they have to learn how things are going to operate when there's just one of them. Right. Uh, Which you, as a nanny, have been doing. Exactly. <laughs> For years, sometimes. Exactly. And it's so funny to hear parents say, oh, how do you do this? You know, like, I can never imagine taking care of them by myself. And I'm like, well, good thing you pay me to do that. Right. All day, every day. But, we digress. Obviously, always give tips mm-hmm. but it's important to say no I cannot come in early or right. no I cannot stay late if you truly can't right because 
you have to give parents the opportunity to figure these sorts of things out when it comes to how am I going to give only one of my kids a bath? Right. When I don't have my spouse to take care of the other one. Right. Or how am I going to put two kids down for bed at once? Mm-hmm. How am I going to cook dinner? Yes. And as a nanny, knowing that it can be done, like Harry Potter and his Patronus, you know that it can be done, so you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's... It's it's about sharing tricks of the trade. Right. Um, But just being aware that... You know, that kind of comes with the territory. And much like the children that you're nannying, just doing it for a parent is not healthy. That is so <laughs> true. Uh, because then, not to belittle parents at all, but then that's how so anyone, any human learns is by doing it and mm-hmm. trying it and failing at it sometimes. Oh, um, yes. Mistakes are gifts. And so uh, healthy, safe mistakes. <laughs> um, mistakes are always opportunities. Yes. Uh, for learning. And so, um, yeah, allowing a parent sometimes with quote unquote tough love of just like, no, I cannot stay late tonight. Yeah. is is important key. not only for the parents but also for yourself mm-hmm. um and i do we are going to do an episode about self-care um because as nannies uh more often than not our our job and it is a job it's mm-hmm. a career um but our job has such blurry lines of what is appropriate and things that you would never be asked to do at another job. Right. Um, much like a divorce doesn't affect many other careers. Correct. Um, and especially not to the degree that it affects you as a nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, if your boss is going through a divorce, he might snap at you in an office job. If your boss is going through a divorce as a nanny, it changes your whole world. You are moving houses. Yes. Or, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, just keeping that in mind that setting those boundaries is is not only a good thing to do, but it's better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. In conclusion. (laughs) And just also to end on somewhat of a happy note, I would like to say that as a culture, I think that we've come a long way um, (laughs) in helping children with divorce. Uh, In the 90s, when I was a child of divorce, uh, my school's best effort at helping us was creating a club called the banana split club where one lunch a month, all of the children who had divorced parents got to go sit in a room and have lunch in that room. And we got a banana split and we talked to a counselor 
about any of our problems, given we didn't really know that she was a counselor. She was just a weird woman that we didn't really want to talk to. Um, And I actually was not initially invited because my teacher thought that I was well-adjusted enough. Uh, But but I already told you that you got banana splits. And so I protested and got myself invited to the banana split club. I don't even think my school did anything. Oh, well. As far as that goes. Exactly. We had had counselors, so. Yeah. But But I feel like we have come a long way. And uh, and as as nannies, the best thing that you can do is um, be there for the kids, love the kids, uh, research. What you did about asking other people, I think, is beautiful and is key mm-hmm. um and and you seem to have something else oh, to add. i did have something to say um one thing that i want to throw in you can you can edit and put it wherever you want it is important to remind yourself as a nanny not to judge the parents mm. this is something that i i personally will admit to struggling to but When people get married and have children and have a family, no one thinks that things are going to go south. No one signs up for that. No one has a child and knows that down the road they're going to end up divorcing the person that they had a child with anyway. So this is catching everyone by surprise. And it is important to remember that. Um... And to use your best gauge to understand when people are just being imperfect humans, like we all are. Right. And not to color them in a negative light because of their actions when they are one of the worst versions of themselves at that moment. Right. Because they're at such a low point. Yes. You know? Yeah, extending grace to the and, parents. Yeah. Um, I, yes. And I, I think that is key and probably more difficult to do. In the moment. In the moment. Um, but I also think that that is good advice for any aspect of parenting true because <laughs> uh, i have found myself being like really that's the choice you're making which is something i say about the kids out loud all the time I say it in my brain about parents sometimes mm-hmm. um but yes extending that grace and just we're all every single human is is working through things all the time yeah when your world is the world, when the world as you know it is changing, mm-hmm. you are bound to make decisions that are not your best. Right. So it's important for those of us on the outside to remember mm-hmm. just that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. At this point, we share a story. A story to end on a, a happy note. Okay, so. The little girl that I told you about earlier who 
loves loves Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. One of her favorite Disney stories. Um, I took her to see The Little Mermaid at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, mm-hmm. which she absolutely adored. But we get there, we get in our seats, and we're like right on the aisle, and we're pretty close to the stage. And so she keeps trying to get out of her chair. And I was like, what, what are you doing? And she said, I'm going to go sing and dance on stage. Oh, "Oh, no, sweet pea. Like, (laughs) um, you know, Ariel's going to come out and she's going to sing and dance for us. And she was like, no, I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. And it wasn't until, (laughs) it wasn't until the lights went down and they bring out this like fabric, this blue fabric out on the stage, like show the water. And then Ariel pops out in the middle of it. And there's this hush that falls over the crowd. And all of a sudden you hear her go, Ariel! <laughs> <laughs> and from then she was hooked. And then she sat yeah. stayed in her chair and she watched got the it. thing. But right up until then, the spotlight was hers. It was meant to be hers. <laughs> that's that's lovely. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Um, well, thank you so much, Parker. Of course. This was wonderful. Happy to as always. be a part of this. Um, and thank you, listeners. Have a wonderful week. Yes. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.